Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and to overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm really excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So today I'm really excited to let you know that this is my 30th episode. Um, so thank you to everyone who's been listening um, all the way through as I've been doing these episodes and also for all your kind feedback. I do really, really appreciate it. Now today I want to talk about dealing with difficult thoughts. Okay, and I'm going to focus on two main types of thoughts, those being all or nothing thinking and comparing and despairing, two very common thought patterns if you have disordered eating. Now, thoughts are funny old things, okay, because I guess all of us, we look at the world in a slightly biased way. So you might identify with this if you are a glass half full kind of person, you will then tend to view the world through quite an optimistic lens. So if something happens, you'll tend to kind of see the good in things, you'll tend to believe that things are going to work out, you tend to probably be a bit more happy-go-lucky. Or you might be more of a glass empty kind of person and then you tend to view the world more through a pessimistic lens and you tend to presume the worst. So you might be someone who is always thinking about the worst case scenario, maybe you find it harder to trust people and um, maybe just generally sometimes your mood will veer to be being kind of lower rather than kind of feeling like content and upbeat and happy. Now, of course, like some of this is probably like genetics, but also we are heavily influenced by our environment. And we all have a slightly distorted view and the way we think about the world is so built up by the different experiences that we've had over the years with our relationships, with our different interactions. And if particular, maybe significant events have happened that have had a real impact on us. So all of us have a slightly distorted view. I mean, I don't think anybody probably looks at the world in a completely realistic way. And I think, though, as long as it's not too distorted, it isn't necessarily problematic. Um, I know for myself, I probably tend to sometimes look at the world through a bit of a rose-tinted view. And I could be accused sometimes perhaps of being a bit naive or kind of, um, you know, I don't know, perhaps, yeah, being a bit naive and kind of like... um just not really being realistic about things. But then I kind of think in a way with having that view, it's been a quite protective thing for me because it helps me to try new things. I tend not to think about the worst too much and um, I tend to expect that things are gonna work out. And I guess if we go into a situation thinking like that, it's gonna help a lot with it. But if our worldview has become distorted, I guess, to you know, to a degree where it really impacts our thinking in a negative way, then that's not so good. And I guess if you have disordered eating, your reality might become so focused on weight, on food, on eating, on body size, um, that the power of that lens through which you're viewing the world has become really, really quite intense. Um, And I guess the problem with that is as well is like all kinds of stuff could be going on in the world. But because you're looking at the world through this kind of very kind of like defined lens you're kind of thinking about calories in the next meal or the size of someone's legs or you know what's going on on the restaurant menu and I mean obviously you have no control of that when you're in the midst of disordered eating but you can actually see that actually 
you're not really looking at the world through a very realistic lens, although it will probably feel to you in that moment to be your reality, which it is. So it's helpful to begin to realise that our thoughts, you know, and the way we think, this is a perspective, it is not fact, okay? And when we can start to engage with that, it helps us to take a bit of a step back and to be able to think about things a bit differently. Now, Dr. Christopher Fairburn, who is a specialist that has done lots of work and research in eating disorders, talks about having your eating disorder sunglasses on. So it's almost like kind of, you know, he's trying to make it really clear that actually this is just a perspective. This is just a lens through which you're viewing the world. It's not necessarily reality, but these eating disorder sunglasses are pretty powerful, but you could actually take them off and look at the world in a different way. So if we're all viewing the world through a very biased lens, um, our thoughts as well really feel like facts, okay? Now, sometimes it can be really hard to argue with things because of, you know, someone else might kind of be stating a very different kind of factual opinion on something, but we can just think, no, it doesn't feel true. You know, I don't believe that. And our feelings just are so strong, they really override the more logical thought. But this is because our thoughts are often rooted in our early experiences. So we often feel we have evidence to support them. And once we think in a certain way, we then tend to filter the world through this lens, unconsciously collecting more and more evidence to support the thought. So it kind of becomes stronger and stronger and eventually it becomes a kind of almost like a deep rooted belief. So say for example, you know, if you experience horrible bullying at school, you might have come to believe that you're unlikable or that others are not to be trusted. You might start to really fear social situations and almost expect people to treat you in a hostile way. Now, understandably, if you've been through something horrible like that, it makes sense um, if you're thinking that way after experiencing the event because of, I guess, in relation to that horrible bullying, you know, those thoughts feel very real and very true. And, um, you know, in any way, it's an appropriate response probably to come out the other side of the bullying and to have some insecurity in your relationships and to kind of be doubting about trust and all those things. However, you can see that maybe if you took forward some of those thoughts in your whole life and applied that to everything and all your future interactions, um, it's not going to be so helpful. Because if you're going into new situations, expecting that people are going to bully you, expecting that people are going to judge you, expecting that you're going to be unlikable, you might then withdraw and avoid social situations and actually become more and more isolated. Um, And also, you might become kind of very sensitive at interpreting other people's bad moods, which may be absolutely nothing to do with you, but you might interpret anyone else's bad mood um, as if you've done something wrong or that others are being critical of you, when actually that's not true. But because of your filtering the world through that lens, obviously it feels very true. So it can be really helpful to become much more aware of our thoughts and to simply begin to take a step back and question the things that we presume to be true. So it's just beginning to really recognise, you know, thoughts are not facts. They are often opinions, okay? And we have 60,000 thoughts plus a day and many of these are repetitive. So you can see the power of negative thoughts if they start to gather momentum, Because as well, thoughts impact feelings, which impact behaviour. 
So say, for example, if I have the thought, my body's really horrible and people are judging me, okay, how are you going to feel about yourself? You're probably going to feel anxious, you're going to feel upset, you're going to feel self-conscious. And then how are you going to behave in relation to those thoughts and feelings? You know, you're probably going to avoid situations, you're probably going to compare yourself a lot to others, you might even self-punish through your eating in some way. And then when you do those behaviours, you're probably going to have more negative thoughts. And it's then this horrible spiral downwards in a very, very slippery slope, which is sometimes hard to get off. So these thoughts can really be quite detrimental. And in cognitive behaviour therapy, we call them negative automatic thoughts, or also they can be called hot thoughts. So they're negative because they're largely negative. They're not very helpful. They're automatic because we're not thinking about having them. They just kind of spring up. You know, they're just kind of there in our minds. We're not thinking about having the negative thought. And they're a hot thought because they produce a strong emotional reaction. So I'm going to like focus now on two types of typical automatic negative thoughts that we often see in people with disordered eating and to talk about how to begin to challenge these. Okay. Now I want to say like with so much of emotional work, work in therapy, work on your mental health. Um, this isn't something that we can just suddenly change overnight, okay? It's often a bit of a drip, drip process and, you know, you have to really invest and commit to the process to be able to see the results, okay? And just as in the same way that if you're getting physically fit, you know, you couldn't suddenly kind of go out and do some marathon or something, next week if you've never been running for you know many many years or something it's something we have to really build up to so I just want to give you some encouragement with that really that not to be disheartened if this all feels a bit overwhelming and hard to begin with because it kind of is but that doesn't mean that it's not possible and actually um you know some of these negative thought patterns can be massively diluted over time so I want you to really feel encouraged and hopeful about that so one of the really um, common thinking styles that we see in therapy is all or nothing thinking. Now, in reality, I guess, there's not much in life that is truly black or white. However, we often interpret life through this lens and it seems to be quite common as well with people with disordered eating. So we tend to think, you know, I've failed or I've succeeded or that's a healthy food, that's an unhealthy food, that's a clean food, that's a forbidden food. You know, it's all quite black and white. There's not really many shades of grey. Now, the problem with all or nothing thinking is that the thoughts direct behaviour then into all or nothing responses. So say, for example... In my own recovery from bulimia, if I was eating something unplanned or a food that was associated with binging, this could very quickly trigger me to think the thought, I've blown it. You know, I've blown it. I've failed. I've completely messed up. So you can see that's quite all or nothing thinking, isn't it? You know, like I'm eating one chocolate bar, but the way I'm interpreting that is like an absolute catastrophe as though I've done something really, really, really wrong. So as well, because of my thought is quite catastrophic and quite black and white, all or nothing, um, rather than eating just the one chocolate bar, you know, I would like, might then return to the shop, buy loads more chocolate, and then I'd really feel then I'd failed and I'd blown it, you know, become even more magnified. So I was actually acting it out um, 
through having a binge. So it started, it was start out as just the thought, you know, by eating the one chocolate bar, oh my goodness, I failed, I've blown it, everything's gone wrong, etc, etc. And then that thinking style would then cause me to act out and then actually in reality to kind of really go and overeat and blow it, etc. Um, so then that binge would feel like a massive failure, reinforcing the thinking even more. So I would almost be collecting further evidence that I had absolutely no willpower around food. And my thinking would continue then in a resolutely black and white fashion. So you can just see kind of how much of a problem that is and just so much with the thinking itself. Because if we think in a certain way, it often starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you're interpreting the eating one chocolate bar as a complete failure, you can see then how you know, you're probably going to feel anxious, upset, distressed, um, you know, hopeless. Um, and you can very quickly get into quite a self-punishing cycle and then acting out with behaviour, feeling worse in your mood, thinking more negative thoughts, and it is a slippery slope. Now, all or nothing thinking as well is also a real barrier sometimes for people like being able to start on their recovery from an eating disorder because, because like it, seem sometimes that recovery is either like I'm doing it, I'm nailing it, I'm doing this recovery or I'm just not doing it at all. The recovery road can just seem like this impossible Everest to climb and and in a way you can almost procrastinate because in a way you really can't even get going, it's just so overwhelming. And then with this black or white thinking there's so much pressure to do recovery perfectly or not do it at all. So you know, in a way you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off and waiting for the perfect moment. When I guess in fact there is no perfect moment and actually recovery is a really bumpy road of like often like one step forward, two steps back and that's like really, really normal. You know, it's not like I'm really succeeding at recovery or I'm failing at it. It's a bumpy, bumpy road. So how to deal with all or nothing thinking? So as with much thought challenging, it's always helpful to think about what would I say to a friend in this situation, okay? Because with a friend, we can often be far more self-compassionate, we can see the nuance of things, we can allow the shades of grey, and we can offer wisdom and see the bigger picture. You know, we are often much, 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 much harder on ourselves than we would be on a friend. So when I'd eaten a chocolate bar, rather than going in a self-derogatory blame game, it would be much more helpful to stop pause and just take a step back for a moment. So I guess I could think about it in lots of other ways. I could think, actually, I'm hungry and I'm reaching for chocolate because I enjoy it and I want to have something that's tasty and satisfying. I could also think, one bar of chocolate is not going to impact my weight or my worth. Or I could think, eating chocolate and not banning foods is actually inoculation against binge eating. I could even think, Yum, I really enjoyed that chocolate bar. It's fantastic to enjoy a bar of chocolate and I like the taste. So imagine if I'm thinking more thoughts like that. Imagine how I'm going to feel. Much more relaxed, much more content, far less anxious. I'm not interpreting the whole thing through a success or failure lens. I'm dealing with the situation much more rationally. Okay, now when I explain it all like this, it can sound like really quite simple. And I guess it is quite simple when we boil it down, but it's not always very easy to do. Okay, so I think 
you know, I'm not expecting that people will listen to this and then just kind of go away and get rid of the all or nothing thinking just like that and suddenly begin to think in shades of grey. But the more reality of it is that you can start to dilute things slowly. Okay, so next time you find yourself in that position, you can maybe just have a bit more awareness of your all or nothing thinking and just observe yourself, okay? You might still do the behaviour, that's okay, but just be more observant and that is really step one to starting to break this whole kind of horrible cycle. So the second common type of thought pattern that I want to talk about is comparing yourself to others and feeling inferior. So a typical thought might be, they're so perfect compared to me. And of course, you're left then feeling inadequate, low, not good enough. So if you're not feeling good enough, you probably withdraw. You don't put yourself forward. You assume others are judging you. You diet to try and feel better. You put yourself under huge stress to be the best to try and avoid any feelings of inferiority. Now, when you compare, the bottom line is always that you don't feel good enough. You're filtering the world through the lens and constantly scanning your surroundings for evidence of not feeling good enough. So you've almost got the like not good enough sunglasses on. And when we compare, we're usually comparing our insides to another person's external. Now, the comparison might be as well about a very small part of what we know about someone else. So, for example, you know, I might see a photo of someone on Instagram who's looking toned, fit, healthy and happy. So I might assume from that picture that all is well for them, that they've got no life problems. And I might look at my own problems and imperfections and then really criticise and berate myself and not feel good. Now, comparisons are just not helpful and they isolate us from others because even if we look at something or we compare ourselves with someone else and we feel a little bit superior and this is often quite fleeting and it also distances us from other people because we can't really connect with people if we're feeling either superior or if we're feeling inferior it doesn't kind of put us in that place where I'm okay you're okay and if we feel inferior to other people we put them on a pedestal and they feel unreachable So we're automatically putting ourselves on a lower ranking. So in our interactions with them, you know, we're already kind of being the underdog. We're already kind of giving them the authority. We're already kind of not valuing our own opinions. So with comparisons, you have to work really hard to put the blinkers on. And to do this, it involves getting very focused on your own values, your own qualities and strengths, and then staying very resolutely in your own lane. Now, this is hard. And as well, you might need to really control your environment to manage this. So if there's someone on Instagram that's massively triggering, you probably just have to be quite ruthless and unfollow them. Because if you're having that trigger every day of seeing someone who makes you feel bad, then it's not helpful, okay? Because of your human being, you know, if you are, you have some control over what you let into your environment. And if you constantly are letting something in that is toxic for you, then it's really, really hard to like not be affected by that. So sometimes you have to really be quite ruthless, okay? 
Um, and you might need to think as well about the people in your friendship group, or you might need to think about, say, for example, if you go to a particular gym where there are lots of people that are very triggering, maybe that's not a very helpful environment for you at the moment. So it's realising as well that you do have some control over all of this, okay? I mean, it's not possible to have complete control, of course it isn't, but you do have some control. So again, with the comparisons, it does help to also think about what you might say to a friend in this situation. Because again, to a friend, you'd be kinder, you'd be more compassionate, you'd be more realistic, you'd be reassuring and helpful. So you might say something to a friend like, is this really helpful to compare? You know, how do you really know that this person has it all together? And what are you ignoring about your own strengths and attributes? And is the thing that you're admiring really in line with your values? Because in the moment, you might find yourself chasing a thigh gap or a flat stomach. But really, you know, really when you boil down to your values, how important is this to you in the bigger picture, okay? Because I think in the moment sometimes we can be so seduced by kind of these superficial things when actually when we take a step back, they don't matter anyway near as much as we think they do in the moment. Also as well it's sometimes helpful to think about what might be going on for the other person that we're comparing ourselves with. Now I know as well I've worked with many many people who post seemingly happy and confident pictures on social media when underneath they are struggling hugely okay so don't assume that what you see is the whole picture. Don't compare one little part of someone else's life with your whole life. And don't compare your chapter one of your journey with someone else's chapter 20. It's just not helpful. So, all or nothing thinking and comparing. Two thinking styles that are incredibly common in disordered eating. Do you relate? Do you notice yourself, you know, having this all or nothing thinking or comparing you know, are they thinking styles that are really impacting your daily life in a negative way? So remember, thoughts are not facts, they are opinions. And you have been unconsciously collecting evidence to support your biased thought patterns for a long time. And you can't just flick a switch to change your thoughts. The first step is to stop, pause and increase your awareness. And if you struggle to begin to identify your thoughts, notice how you're feeling. So if there's a dip in your mood or an increase in anxiety, you're probably having a negative thought. And you might need to write it down or say it out loud to truly register with what you're thinking. Because sometimes when it's in your head, it's all just a bit of a blur. So when you do this, think about what you say to a friend in the situation. And you can also consider the evidence for the thought. You know, is this really true? Think about how you'd like to think about the situation and begin to feel empowered. Your thinking can change little by little over time. So this thought challenging process, it does take time. It's a drip drip process, but it's absolutely one that's worth investing in. Okay, and I know myself when I think back on my own journey in working on my mental health, the way I deal with my thoughts has changed hugely from, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So it's so worth investing in and you really can change your thinking, okay? But it's going to be a gradual dilution rather than flicking a switch. So 
if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular tips and insights into overcoming disordered eating, do sign up for my weekly articles on my homepage at rethinkyourbody.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.